0: This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Today's podcast for December 30th, 2019 is actually being taped by me in Tokyo, Japan on December 19th, 2019. That's right. I'm in Tokyo, Japan. I've been here for the last couple of days, meeting with various pastors and leaders to talk about what's going to be coming up here in the summer of 2020, which is the Summer Olympics. The whole world is going to be focusing on the place called the Land of the Rising Sun. But what a great opportunity for them to also see the church around the world serving this country, serving the athletes and serving all those that will be gathering and focused on the Summer Olympics to let them see the risen S-O-N through the church. So it's exciting to hear some of the stories, thinking out loud, strategizing together about the opportunities of ministering and serving to people from all over the world as the world is focused on the Summer Olympics of 2020 right here in Japan. In a few hours, I've got a flight from Tokyo to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia for some other meetings and also to catch up with longtime friends there. But before I go, I wanted to make sure I finish this December 30th, 2019 podcast, as we kind of get a recap of 2019 going into this new season. And As I say, it's a new season because it's not just about a year, but it really is a season or new era that we're going into. As I've shared in the past, we've entered into the year 5780 in the Jewish calendar, which isn't just about the next year, but it's about a new era, a new season. And I've also shared that for us to move into new seasons or to have uh, new wine, we have to have new wineskins. It's a reevaluation of how we've been doing things and what God's wanting us to do in discernment and preparation for the opportunities He gives to us in the future. Although we've seen some incredible things happen in 2019 and the previous season, I believe it's a time to review and reflect and get ready to regroup for what God wants us to do. You know, in 2019, we saw God lay out some really incredible spiritual foundations, and there's been some increase in in the kingdom of God and expansion and things that are happening even in the perspective of our own ministry stewardships. But we're also very cognizant that in the midst of the things that God is doing, there is realities around us in our communities, in our cities, and our nations, and even around the world, just the challenges that we continue to face in human and natural crises. And it's important for us to be ready in the midst of it all to give a witness to what God can do even through the most difficult of circumstances. You've heard me say many times in Luke chapter 21, when all these crises happen, verse 13 jumps off the page when, in Jesus' own words, he said, But it shall be an occasion for your testimony. Every situation should be an opportunity for the testimony of God's people, because God's people reflect the kingdom of God, no matter what's going on around us. Before I get into some of the things specifically that I feel like the Lord has been speaking to me personally as well as to the stewardship of ministries and relationships that I have, I really believe God is saying uh, to all of us that He's about to do something only He can do. While many in the world and the media continues to focus on the drama happening in places like Washington, D.C., and, and of course turning their eyes towards the drama surrounding all the 2020 uh, U.S. presidential elections and other elections, we as Christians must keep our eyes fixed and focused on the Lord. I believe in the coming year, in the coming season, we will need the gift of discernment like never before. In fact, I'll be teaching more in the beginning of the new year uh, about what I believe God is saying to walk together in the wisdom of the Lord like King Solomon. You see, God gave Solomon wisdom and discernment to know which of the women that came to him about the live infant, which one of them wanted to murder the child, and which one truly loved and wanted what was best for the child. Could hear beyond their words to understand the heart, and as the church, we need a new level of that same kind of wisdom and God's discernment in 2020. Regardless of your political persuasions, regardless of your backgrounds or personal preferences, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about, I believe, we're coming into a season where we need to hear the voice of the Father more than ever before. We need prophetic clarity and wisdom like never before. See, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole used to say, The wisdom is in the strategy, and the glory is in the victory. I believe we need God's wisdom today. In fact, we need the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And too often, we disregard that as a gift and begin to look at what our personal preferences are and what our opinions are, and and we begin to use all these other filter traps. But God is wanting a people who truly come into His presence to know Him and to make Him known. So I don't believe it's in a coincidental moment that we're living in. I do believe that God wants us to move beyond the place of our personal preferences into a place of understanding His heart, to have His heart, and to be a tangible expression of His heart to the world around us. So again, I don't believe we're in a coincidence moment. I believe God is about to do something that only He can do. And as the church, we are in a season, a new era, where God wants us to have a higher expectation in Him with a deeper level of consecration. So in the season ahead, not only do we need the place of wisdom and discernment, we also need a deeper level of consecration and a higher level of expectation on the Lord himself. You know, I wrote these words down recently, see the light, know the light, share the light, be a light. And it really is a place that has to be intentional. We have to be consistent and disciplined in our walk with God personally and corporately. You know, every year people always give New Year's resolutions, but you know, dreams and visions with good intentions, yet without implementation, is no more than what I call a vision, just a wishful vision. As we approach the New Year with many resolutions, remember that change doesn't just happen by good intentions or wishful thinking. It takes intentionality, consistency, and discipline. If we're going to walk in the fullness, of God's purposes for us and the fullness of the breakthroughs that God wants to bring to and through us, that we need to get back to the revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection to see the light, so we can know the light. Who is the light? The light of the world. In fact, Proverbs fourteen four eighteen says, "The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday." In fact, it says in John 8, 12, once again, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So to see the light and to know the light is to fix our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, is to get back to the place of recognizing it's about a relationship with the Lord to advance the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is built on relationships first with God then with one another. And you've heard me say before that the degree of influence that we have or will leave to the next generation is determined on the level of those relationships first with God and then with one another. John 9, 5 says, While I am in the world, that's the Lord Jesus speaking, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So we must see the light, know the light, but then we have a responsibility because it says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Now, first of all, he says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and I am the one. I am in the world. I am the light of the world. But then he turns around and says in Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. And he says, a city or a town cannot be hidden or should not be covered up. And it says in Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew 5.16. So what we need is to be able to see the light and to know the light. That's to see the Lord, to get a fresh revelation of the work of the cross, power of the resurrection, and then be responsible with intentionality and consistency and discipline to be those who share the light because He is the light of the world, but we are now to be reflection of the light of the world because He lives in us and through us. We should not be a city or a town hidden, but on an individual and corporate context, we the church need to let the world see the reality and the tangibility of Christ in and through his church. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So again, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. There's so much darkness around us. There's so many challenges around us. But the Lord is a light of life he is the light of the world and he's saying to the church you need to let my light shine so as we seek the Lord for renewed revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection to ask him to help us to desire with intentionality and consistency and discipline to be a people of wisdom and discernment not to be swayed by the swings of pendulums and societal pendulums not to be swayed by the fodder of the media not to be swayed by even the things we see around us, just cognizant of the realities of the things around us, but recognizing it's only one who can change the way things are, and God is about to do something only He can do. When we agree with the Lord because agreement is a place of power. We agree with Him. We can see His kingdom advanced in and through us. We can let His light shine in and through us, and we can see lives transformed with the power of the gospel. The Gospel of Good News. You know, a while back I was asked to do a, a video teaching on the Jerusalem church model, which really is a preparation for the Antioch church model. But as I was sharing in the Jerusalem church model, I talked about the church in the book of Acts started out being set apart, then sanctified, sacrificial in their corporate desire together to, to see the kingdom of God advance. They were corporately serving together when the needs arose. They were tangible expressions of God to the community around them, and they were ascending church. So the Jerusalem church model is really those individuals incorporated in the body of Christ who recognize we're nothing without Him, we're set apart unto Him, we're sanctified by Him, and as living sacrifices, we're willing to offer ourselves of our time, talent, and our resources sacrificially for the sake of souls around us. And the early church also understood the power of serving the community. When needs arose, they they assigned different individuals to go serve the community, serve the tables. If you've listened to my podcasts in the past or read any of my articles, you've heard me say often that we gain moral capital by our public service. You see, when we are a tangible expression of Christ to the community, it opens the hearts of people to receive our message. And then the early church also understood the importance of being a sending church. It's not just about gathering and hoarding. It's about receiving and giving. A few months ago, I republished an article that I originally wrote back in 1995. But it talked about the horses are saddled who will ride them. And I said this, for quite some time, I've sensed God is about to do something in a very corporate and significant way. I sense a stirring in the winds, a stirring in the mulberries, a time of change and renewing, a new era, a new beginning, a season of transitions. See, I was looking back at an article I wrote in November of 1995 and realized how important that message is fast-forwarding to 2019 and going into 2020 and the season ahead. It really is a new era, a new beginning. It's a message that's even more relevant today than when I first wrote it all those years ago. I did rework it, updated it a bit, but it was originally titled, If We Go, He Will Come. You may get a chuckle from that because the title, if you remember the movie Field of Dreams from many years ago, said, If You Will Build, They Will Come. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord promises us that He is sending laborers into every town with which He is about to go. I believe it's time for us to be prepared and ready for the harvest. People are waiting for us, and if we will go, He will come. In fact, it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. And then He said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest go your way I will send you out as lambs among wolves Luke 10 1 and 2 years ago the late Leonard Ravenhill shared with me he said my dear brother Doug he said Jesus said the laborers are few and yet the harvest is plentiful and he says 2,000 years later the harvest is still plentiful and the laborers are still too too few I really believe we're in a season that if we would be willing to say yes to God. Wherever we go, God himself is about to show up. If we will just go and take those steps of faith, just like the field of dreams, if you will build, they will come. In Luke 10, verse 1 and 2, that wherever we go, the Lord himself will show up. It's an issue of making ourselves available as unto the Lord and having a compassionate heart to go out and be a tangible expression of Christ to the world around us. In other words, if we will go, He will come. And also, as we move into this next season, this new era and going into 2020, I believe the church must mobilize in unity through prayer initiatives as well as compassion evangelism. And personally, I also feel the strong burden to continue to minister to leaders for courageous, persevering leadership, transformational leadership. Many leaders today are struggling under heavy personal and corporate burdens, If you're like me, I know you've been grieved over some of the stories you've heard, the news reports of even Christian leaders and pastors and others who either leave the ministry out of place of shame, others going through depression, even to the point of some committing suicide. Yes, there are spiritual battles going on around us. And rather than being those in the grandstands shouting our opinions, we need to undergird and pray for persevering, courageous and transformational leadership like never before. And when I talk about unity, I'm not talking about uniformity. I'm talking about unity in our diversity, crossing our racial, denominational, generational lines to meet at the cross of Christ. I've shared before that when you've been in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God, you come out not according to division, but one sound, one voice of worship together so the glory of God can come. Again, it's not Unity is not uniformity. It is, though, a unity in focusing on the things that most bring us together in the highest common denominator, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have more in common in Christ than we have that divides us. In the presence of a holy, holy, holy God, we are equalized in His presence. Our personal opinions, our political persuasions, all of our personal preferences wane in comparison to the presence of a holy, holy Holy God. I truly believe that change, authentic unity, and revival either happens by choice or by circumstance. I pray that we would come together, we go to our knees by choice, come together in authentic relational unity in the kingdom of God by choice, so we can steward a move of God by choice, not by circumstances. But sadly, far too often, change happens by challenges and circumstances that bring us to our knees. Yes, we need to see the light. We need to know the light. We need to share the light. We need to be a light in a world that desperately needs the Lord. And we need that gift of discernment. We need sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading. Yes, the horses are saddled, but who will ride? If we will go, he will come. It's time for us to be the set-apart church, the sanctified church, the sacrificial, the serving, and the sent-forth church. I want to share one more important thing about the early church. And this comes from a quote by Wayne Hillsden, the pastor of King of Kings Church in Jerusalem, Israel. As we were talking about the Jerusalem church model, he was sharing also from there becoming the Antioch model. And here's what he says. Culturally, first-century Antioch was a melting pot of Greek, Roman, Jewish, Arab, and Persian influences. No other city apart from Jerusalem appears as frequently in the Book of Acts. And when we look at the makeup of the congregation in Antioch, we see some other interesting parallels. It was a transient congregation with an international flavor. Not many members of the congregation are mentioned but the ones who are mentioned are from many different places and backgrounds. In fact, we read in Acts 13.1, Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tatriarch, and Saul. Now, Barnabas and Saul were Jews from Cyprus and Tarsus and Cilicia, respectfully. We can read that in Acts chapter 20. 139 and Acts 436 Bible scholars believe that Simeon, who was called Niger, was from African descent, possibly from what we now call Nigeria. Lucius came from Cyrene, which was in North Africa, and the territory included in Libya today. So Antioch was a congregation made up of Jews and Gentiles from dozens of different nations with different languages and cultural diversity. One writer said concerning Antioch What a conglomeration of backgrounds with every portent and possibility for conflict, eruption, strife, and division. But they triumphed because God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and it was first established in their assembly. Antioch was a true pattern for apostolic reality and apostolic sending church. Rather than seeing their vast diversity as a hindrance, They used their differences as a means of sending ministers to the nations. It is no mistake that during Saul's and Barnabas' first evangelistic outreach, the first place they went was Barnabas' home country, the island of Cyprus. And later Paul would return to the region where he was brought up and minister there. I think this extrapolation from Pastor Wayne Hilsden of King of Kings Church in Jerusalem on the Antioch model something to really take a look at. In fact, I like when you look at the Jerusalem church model, the early church, and then the Antioch church model, truly there was something about being set apart, sanctified, sacrificial, willing to serve, and sending forth. There's something about if we will go, the Lord will come. There's quite a few things I still want to share what I'm sensing and a burden for the coming season, but I'll take more time later in the beginning of 2020 to share those things. Let me just close with this. Of all the ongoing ministries that we're doing across America and around the world, including ongoing disaster relief efforts in various places and nations, I want to just target three other cities in this moment of prayer. One is I want to pray for Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I want to pray for Charlotte, North Carolina, and I want to pray for Tokyo. Now, of course, I pray for a lot of different cities, have relationships in urban and foreign centers all over the world that we're praying for and we're responding to in very, not just in prayer initiatives, but in tangible ways. But I want to focus on those three cities just for this moment because the whole world is going to be focusing on Milwaukee, Wisconsin because the DNC, the Democratic National Convention in America, will be held there and the Republican National Convention will be held in Charlotte, North Carolina. While there'll be a lot of media attention on both those communities, dealing with the two major political parties in America, in an already very polarizing and very difficult environment, it's a time for the church to truly set a plumb line, not to swing according to the societal pendulum swings, but to be a plumb line in the midst of these difficult and polarizing moments and a spiritual climate and a political climate that is very divisive. It's time for us as the church in those cities like in Milwaukee And in Charlotte, North Carolina, the church to rally together, regardless of our political persuasions, regardless of our preferences, regardless of our differences, coming together what is most important. Remember we talked about the place of wisdom and discernment to see if we really love the nation, if we really love our communities, if we really love this generation, then let's not be those who cut it up, but be those who truly find a way to see it flourish and grow and stay healthy. So it's not about our political persuasion, our denominational preference, our personal opinions. It's about coming to that place of being equalized in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God and coming out of that presence undivided so we can create an atmosphere of God's presence through prayer and worship, authentic unity of crossing a racial, denominational, generational lines and let the world see that we draw from a well that never runs dry because it comes from a water source that never ceases. There'll always be political differences, always differences of opinion, always different styles of worship, but we need to come together on the highest common denominator, being equalized in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. So a burden in my heart is to see the church rally together, put aside its differences to pray, and create an atmosphere for God's presence in Milwaukee an atmosphere for God's presence in Charlotte, North Carolina, and also an atmosphere for God's presence in Tokyo, Japan. The whole world is looking at places like Washington, D.C., Milwaukee, looking at Charlotte, North Carolina, Tokyo. The whole world is watching, oh, that the church would be that city set on a hill, that church that the light would so shine in them and through them that others would see the tangibility and the reality of Christ and the gospel of good news. I've been in conversations with and we're in conversations with great church leaders and prayer leaders in those regions, and just like I'm in Japan right now taping this December 30th, 2019 podcast, I'm in Japan taping right now meeting with leaders here because I really believe it's important that if God's going to do something only He can do, then we need to be in agreement with God and with one another to be that plumb line of His presence and to let His light shine in and through us. As you know, in the Olympics for 2020 in Japan, it's the land of my birth. I was born in Japan. My mother was Japanese. It has been my personal prayer for many, many years that the nation known as the land of the rising sun would become known as the land of the risen sun, the risen S-O-N. As the world attention is given focus to Milwaukee and Charlotte and Tokyo, we need the church to take its rightful posture and position of spiritual authority to bring the atmosphere of God's presence to those places through prayer, humility, corporate worship, and being a tangible expression of God's love to those around them. We need to create an environment that welcomes God's presence because our nation and the nations of the world need the Lord. The synergism of prayer and compassion evangelism is so important as together we seek to see God transform hearts, lives, communities, and impact nations. We also have a plan to launch our Somebody Still Cares initiative in 2020 to emphasize the importance of being a tangible expression of Christ through compassion that is born from being in God's presence. At the same time, we seek to equip and empower those ministry relationships that are working on the front lines in their communities so that the ministry and those ministries can be leveraged and multiplied. Although the name of the ministry that we steward is Somebody Cares America and Somebody Cares International, it really is more of area churches and ministries want you to know that somebody still cares. So that's our Somebody Still Cares theme that we feel like is to help leverage ministries and churches all across the nation in 2020 that somebody still cares in the midst of all the difficulties and challenges and the fodder and the things that can divide us. We can still walk. In authentic unity, not uniformity, but unity in our diversity, unity in something bigger than ourselves, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, because we have far more in common through the work of the cross than we do in those things that divide us. Let me give you some examples. We need more leaders like Matt and Katie Stevens from Somebody Cares Baltimore, who for many years have worked faithfully and tirelessly in the hardest-hit urban areas of their city to see transformation and working through helping others and leveraging other ministries and churches to help do what they do better. Or Mark Roy from Somebody Care San Antonio who has sown into the lives of hurting children and families in his community for over 20 years and who also serves in Cambodia and other countries to prevent human trafficking. Mark also is one of our advanced leaders who goes out with us in disaster reliefs all over the country and around the world. Or what about John Clifton in St. Augustine, Florida? He retired from business years ago, but he got refired to mobilize churches in his area to serve homeless students and the elderly in northern Florida. Or Marlene Yeo in New England, who has labored in prayer for many, many years while helping the homeless, serving low-income families in a gang-riddled neighborhood, and launching a youth center to young people brought from darkness into the light, and many, many others. You see, we need leaders trained in compassion ministry, So they can be a tangible expression of God's love to the hurting every day as well as be ready to reach out in times of difficulties, human or natural disasters and tragedies and crises in people's lives. We believe it's time also to establish a transformational leadership center which we will use as a place to host a permanent Houston Prayer Mountain type venue. We believe in the importance of worship and ongoing prayer, corporate agreement in prayer, corporate worship. The TLC or the Transformational Leadership Center will be a place where leaders from every sphere of influence can come from political leaders, athletes, business leaders, pastors, and others to be invigorated by God's incarnational presence and biblical truth. You see, putting aside all their differences to come to the mountain of the Lord in Matthew 28, where they have all their we can have our own agendas, but when you come to the mountain of the Lord, they come for one purpose, and that is to worship Him, worship the Lord. Just like in Second Chronicles 5. When the priests came into the holy place, the presence of a holy, holy, holy God, equalizing in His presence, they came out of that presence undivided. The same is true for each and every one of us. If we can have a place where people can gather, regardless of what their titles are outside, they come, become equalized in the presence of God, and biblical truths become invigorated go back into their spheres of influence, some call the seven mountains, some call it the seven spheres of the culture, regardless it's a time where they can come in for two- and three-day intensives to in the presence of God together to go back out and make a difference and to let the light of Christ shine in through them regardless of their place of stewardship. It will also be a place to train up a new generation of presence-based, outreach-minded leaders to impact the nations. The vision God has given us for 2020 and beyond is one of rapid expansion, multiplication, not to build up our ministry but to build up His kingdom and advance the purposes of God in the world today. The level of faith has not changed from the early days when I was believing for a bag of groceries to feed young people from the streets and at-risk youth and homeless people living in some of our apartments and homes and discipleship houses. But we are operating in a greater level of stewardship now. Today, we are believing for resources that impact the soul of our nation and the nations of the world. But it's still God working in and through each and every one of us, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. It's our willingness to be available and obedient to Him every day and say yes to the Lord. All we do must be born out of prayer and seeking His presence, for without them we can do nothing. There's a destiny in each and every one of us. And no matter what the world says, remember that we all have a deep well to draw from because it comes from a water source that never ceases. It comes from the rivers of life and brings healing everywhere it goes in us, and through us yes God is about to do something only he can do the horses are saddled and ready to go who will ride them because if we will go the Lord will come the Lord is sending us out to every place he himself is about to go see the light know the light share the light be a light remember with these New Year's resolutions as you walk into this next season Dreams and visions with good intentions, yet without implementation, is no more than a vision. It's just a wishful vision. As we approach this new season with many resolutions, personally and corporately, remember that change doesn't just happen by good intentions or wishful thinking. It takes intentionality, consistency, and discipline. May we be those who truly say yes to the Lord, to be set apart sanctified, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices of our time, giftings, and resources to the Lord, and to be a people who serve those around us, to be a serving church, and to be those who gain moral capital through our public service to the communities around us. Let me take a moment to pray for us. There's so many things I know that people process at the closing of each year and going into the new year. But I pray that this new season, this new era, this new beginning will be an opportunity to see in very practical ways change in your life, the desires of your heart to be met. We can't change the past, we can't redeem time that's already been spent, but every decision we make each day in the Lord determines our future. It's a destiny of good and a future of good and not of evil. I pray that you would receive a fresh revelation of the work of the cross, power of the resurrection. I pray that your spirit man would be renewed day by day, and I pray you begin to see very clearly that your eyes would be very clear to see prophetically, to see prophetic precision, to see the future in front of you, to see it as an opportunity to say yes to God and make yourself available to Him. Well, as each of us enter into this new year, this new season, may we not be weighted down with dwelling on the past of what if, what could have been, what should have been, Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's fix our eyes on a vision of destination and a vision of hope. May you have a great new year, a great season ahead, filled with renewed hopes and dreams. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. May your desire to win be greater than any moments of challenge. And may you see with your eyes and experience all that you've been believing for and crying out to God for. May we see an awakening in the church, a revival in the land, and in our generation. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org, or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.